Hey. Fantastic. Oh. Let's uh, do that as far away as possible. Oh, that, that, that is. This is as far away as possible. I'll just stand here. Good. Ooh. Hi, how you going? How are y'all? Good. Holla. Hi, I'm Chris. If you have never seen me before, met me before, I'm from Australia. I'm from a city called Adelaide. Uh, it's in the south. It's winter there. Suckers, hey? I'm loving being here in Alabama. I'm loving, I don't know if you're sick of the warmth, I, I am soaking it in. Because in a few days, I'll be back in the Southern Hemisphere, and it's cold. It's jackets, it's hats, it's scarves. So I'm, I'm just wrapped to be here. Yeah, we're just doing some, uh, some stage design at the moment. It's yeah. all good. So there's lots of new people here tonight, lots of people I haven't seen before, and uh, that's really exciting for me. I don't know what you're told. Who, who, <laughs> who has uh, never heard me speak in any way before? All right, okay. CLEs, okay. <laughs> that's what it sounds like. <laughs> um, oh, great. That is powerful. Okay. Oh, I can't do that. It's okay. Technical difficulties. But I am, um, tonight we're gonna, you're going to hear the gospel. You're going to hear what you accepted. Whether, whether or not you know you accepted that, you're going to hear it. And some, maybe you're going to hear the gospel for the first time. The gospel is good news. It's not good instruction, and we've been given a lot of good instruction. And good instruction's good, but it's, it's hard to do. <laughs> and being a Christian, unfortunately, is quite tiring. And it was never meant to be that way, because you we weren't given the gospel. Paul says, uh, you know, he's talking about the lust of the flesh and the way it works, and um, it has a continual lust for more. But he says, you did not come to know Christ that way through the flesh. When he was preaching, that was true. <laughs> These days, maybe we did come to Christ through appearing to our souls and our emotions and uh, things you can do and do for God and changing your behavior, becoming a better person, more moral person. That's all through the flesh. We're not we're supposed to come that way. You accept Christ through the Spirit. And we're going to see that. And when you accepted Christ, you, you, got, you got the whole package. But if you don't know you've got it, you don't spend it. If you have received an incredible inheritance from your long-lost grandfather, and there's millions and millions of dollars in the bank account, and they're yours, but you don't know, you will never use it. Even though you have that money. Even though you have that finance. Even though you could spend your whole life using these incredible resources, but you never knew. So you didn't do it. You never accessed it because no one told you it was there. Tonight you're going to hear that it's there and that it's yours and it was given as an inheritance. You just got it. Someone else did all the hard work 
and you got it. And I'm going to frame it up uh, pictorially because <laughs> it's easier to understand. Okay? We're Westerners. Uh, our Western intellect has probably destroyed our Christianity. And so I'm going to use a Western intellect way to bring it back. All right? Fight fire with fire. But this works. If I was in Africa, I don't think I'd take a board with three colours with me, but since, since we went through Western school, this works very well. We've got um, the Three Realms Light today. Diet Light was, was the real stuff. We had the big board the other day, but it still works. I'm just going to point the colours. This will change you. It will change you completely. Um, some of your favourite sermons become your least favourite sermons. Some of your favourite books become your least favourite books. <laughs> it's, it's just what's going to happen. It happens to everyone. And... Uh, You'll go through, the, through all the steps of grieving, denial, anger, <laughs> bargaining, and acceptance. And you'll probably go through it really quickly if we do this well. And, but you're going to love it because this is what Jesus has done for you. And what he's done is lovely because you are lovable because he loves you. And this is what's going to happen. So I'm just going to frame some things up, like the whole world and everything that exists. And then we'll see where we fit in this, in this category. So God exists, right? And what we generally call that, the current term for that, is the glory realm. That's what everyone's using, so we'll call it the glory realm. The glory realm is eternity. It always was, always will be, and it's actually God himself. There's no way, in the, there's no way out of it. If you're in the glory realm, you're in God. He fills up the whole thing, because it is him. It's eternity, and it's glory, and it's who he is, so it's love, because he's loving, and he, God is love. And it's spirit. The glory realm always was there. And one, in Colossians 1.16, we hear that uh, through Jesus, everything was created. The heavens and the earth. Not these heavens. They, they don't have to be created. They always were. So God he created the heavens and the earth. Everything visible and invisible. So here we have the invisible realm, which is created. And we have the, the visible realm, which is created. And of course, the glory realm is uncreated, to give the term. Always was. Okay? And there you have three realms. Realm one, two, and three. Paul says, I know a man that went to the third heaven. Okay, someone went up here, had a look around, and heard undescribable things he couldn't talk about. Okay, so that's the third heaven. And then we have the invisible and the visible. So what's the visible realm? Everything that you can taste, touch, smell, listen to, whatever, whatever the five senses are, everything your five senses engage with is the visible realm. Dogs, cats, air, comets, um, Buildings, the floor, guitars, even sound, because it uses physical particles and waves. So that is the created, visible realm. Anything that's a Higgs boson particle, if you've been reading the news recently, okay? It's the physical realm. And it has all its own laws. Everything in the physical realm comes under those laws. For example, gravity. If you're, in, you're here, you come under gravity. Even light is bent by gravity. It's, it's a law. What goes up what goes, must go down. If you don't believe in gravity, it doesn't matter. It's going to affect you. Okay? <laughs> if you don't believe in trucks, you sit in the highway, 
It doesn't matter. It's going to affect you. The physical laws will always affect you. Whether you believe in them or not, they're going to happen to you. Okay? Heat transfer, friction, object in motion will stay in motion, anything. Okay? That has its own laws. The invisible realm also has its own laws. And they always are. If you're Christian, not Christian, doesn't, you believe them or don't believe them, they're going to affect you. Um, cursing and blessing, unforgiveness, uh, confession, sowing and reaping, they always, always, always work. If you don't believe in sowing and reaping, it's going to get you. <laughs> okay? If you don't believe that unforgiveness damages you, then try keeping bitterness for, <laughs> for years and years on end and see what happens. It's going to affect you. It's a law. It doesn't matter. It affects everyone. And then we have the glory realm. Okay? And this, so we've got physical laws like gravity, spiritual laws like blessing and cursing, and then the glory realm, it works by covenant or relationship. You get fathered. That's how it works. It's, you're one. You're one with God. It works by love. You interact with the visible created realm with your body. Okay? If you've got a body, your spirit and soul can be here. As soon as your body stops, your spirit and soul is out of here. The only way you can interact in this realm, my soul wants to pick up this book, I need a body to do it. Yep. The way you interact with the invisible realm is with your soul. That's how you forgive. Okay, that's how you, you bless and you curse me, you speak it out, or you don't, maybe you don't even have to. That's how you hold your faith together. That's how all these, all these things here are in your soul. And you interact with the glory realm by your spirit. Okay, so your spirit, soul, and body. That's what you are, and you interact with all these things. Now, all these things are right here. The invisible realm is everything created that's invisible, so that's angels and demons. But angels and demons aren't there. Like an angel, your angel's here. Okay? So my body's here, my soul is here, and my spirit is here. So all this is... It's all here. But I've spread it out like this because we're going to show you how it works. Because we will understand authority, and it's very clear. And so I'm going to show this in terms of authority, how it works. And we all will understand it because... In our hearts, we copy this as humans, whether we're saved or unsaved, we copy it because it's written inside us. Even little kids know what justice is, okay? It's all written inside us. And so, authority works like this. If I um, want to borrow someone's car, or take someone's car, hey, how you going? If I want um, someone's car, and I just go and take their car, take their keys and drive off with it, I have stolen a car. It's going to set in practice a lot of American laws and also some spiritual laws because I've stolen. And spiritual laws are like the Ten Commandments. They always are. They're going to affect you. Yeah, the Ten Commandments. Don't steal. I've taken an American car in America. I've got some American rules and I've got some very physical beliefs chasing me. But I've also have some spiritual rules just because I took it. But if I say, can I have your keys? And she says, yes. Just that yes. None of those rules will apply. Just by a given authority. If she doesn't say yes, lots of things get set off. And if she does say yes, nothing gets set off. Okay, authority works on and off, and it's very powerful. You in America, 
have three sets of government and also have three sets of courts. So this is going to work really easily. <laughs> okay. So your local council, uh, the Birmingham Council, is that what you call it here? The Birmingham Council? They say, we want to cut down some trees out there in the forests and we're going to build a whole new housing development with a shopping centre. They've made a decision. They're the council. They're in charge of this area. It's going to happen. But then some greenies go, nah, that's for the, that's for the local uh, bass, okay? <laughs> and they take it to the state court. Fish, do you have bass? Is that right? I, I saw a giant bass on a, on a plaque today. I thought it must be local. Maybe it's not. <laughs> um, and you take it to the state court. And the state court says, yes, our purpose for Alabama is to be green and sustain things. And they overrule it and say no. Now, these guys have done plans, development, got investors in, spent a lot of time, projects, environmental reports, everything like that. And these guys say no, it's over. It just is. There's nothing they can do. It's over. A higher court is that ruled lower court by a word because it has the authority. But then these guys go, no. I'm going to appeal to the Supreme Court over this. And take it to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court says, no one can give it to the military as a firing range. Over. Whatever they thought about, over. Whatever Alabama wants for its heritage, over. The Supreme Court's made a ruling. Done. They don't care what you've done. They don't look at it. They don't array it up. They don't go by your rules, they don't go by local rules, they don't go by state rules, they don't go by federal rules, and everything you thought about is irrelevant, overruled, yep, by, by the highest court. And you can see that in any decision, a higher court will always rule down on a lower court. This happens to us. You can have a really sick body, and you'll be like, oh, I've got the flu, not feeling well, I just can't get out of bed. I'm getting worse, I'm getting worse in your body. Then some information comes to your soul. You've just won $23 million. What happens to your body? It's out, okay? But you physically had a physical virus that was physically attacking your body. It was in there, and you physically had a temperature. It's gone. It's over. A higher court says life is great. It's overall the lower court, okay? And that's what happens. In the inverse, you can, this happened to a friend of mine, uh, happy marriage, going along well, and then her husband left her for a best friend in a matter of just happened over about three weeks. Just nothing, then do 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 do. She was going well, she was very fit. Soul went out, what's the point of living? All her hair went white and then fell out, and her eyebrows fell out, and she lost all this weight. Because a high court overruled a lower court. Yeah? And it just happened like that. So you can see how this works. Now this court, which is God's court, wherever he says it goes, okay, so this court's going to overrule those courts. It doesn't matter what you've done here or what you've done there, what this says goes. So Eden was this. Heaven and earth together. God talked to man. Man talked to God. Everything's going well. Adam was made in the image of God. So God made distinctly human being. And he made him with the capacity to hold God because he's going to breathe his life into him. So a human being can hold God because 
he breathes into him, he put his spirit in him, God's spirit, and so he's made in the image, so Adam's God's spirit, and that's what makes you who you are, a spirit. Okay? So Adam's God's spirit, when Adam opened his eyes, God was looking at an image of himself, a mirror image. He's looking at Adam. And Adam has everything that God has and have communion. They can talk to each other. Adam's there. God's here. He is completely righteous because he's own righteousness. And he's innocent. He doesn't know he's done anything wrong. So he just talks to God. And then Adam takes from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what happened? Adam is cut off from that presence with God, that connection with God. He's no longer innocent. When a baby is innocent, it doesn't know what's right or wrong, it can walk up to a 2,000-year-old vase and push it over and then expect a hug. There's there's nothing... It's just innocence. It doesn't know what's done wrong. Because if there's no law, there's no transgression. It doesn't know any laws. There aren't any laws. It can wee on the carpet and then... And you can give it food, and it will just accept the food. It won't go, oh, I don't deserve this food. I just weed on the carpet. <laughs> That's innocence, okay? That's what Adam had. When he took the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he knew what's right and wrong. He weeded in the carpet. He knows that's wrong, and now he distanced himself from God. And he cannot get to God because he knows he's done wrong. And that is the human state all around the world. So, if this one works by the tree of life, these two, by default, because of the absence of heaven and pure acceptance and love, work by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. To know what's good and evil, to know what's wrong and what's right, is to know the law. We know what's right and wrong, you know the law. And since you know the law, you know you've weed on the carpet. You know you don't deserve a hug. You know you're separate from God. You know God shouldn't answer your prayer. You know when you pray for someone, they're not going to get healed. You know why, because you know good and evil, and it's perfect. It's a perfect law, a perfect law, and you know why. And as unsaved people, we all operate by this. And every religion in the world tells you what's good and evil, according to its standards, and tells you how to be good to work your way up, eventually either through 10 lives or through one lifetime or different, everyone's got levels, and you work your way up, 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 to finally get to a place where you are like God and maybe he'll accept you. Even Christian religion tells you to do this. Overtly or subvertly, it's telling you to do this. Working your way up is religion. Is the tree of knowledge and good and evil. The tree of knowledge and good and evil is why Jesus had to come down to earth and get his body ripped. He doesn't like it. It's detestable to him. We are not allowed to use that system anymore. When you use the knowledge of good and evil, here's the problem with it. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil had fruit. Whether you believe it's a metaphor or an actual tree, it doesn't matter the, the, the truth is the same that God's communicating to you. The tree of knowledge of good and evil had one fruit. It didn't have good fruit and evil fruit. It had one type of fruit. You take that fruit and you eat it, you've had, you get good and evil. Every time you do something 
To please or access or be close to the God is good and it's evil. It only has one fruit. Every time you try and please God, it's good and it's evil. It only has one fruit. You can't do good fruit without getting bad fruit. And this is how it works, and you've all seen it yourself. I have things I want to do for God, and um, I... This, this is actually... Okay, here's a true one. This is me, then. Okay. I uh, was a youth pastor for a large charismatic church in Australia for six years, and I held my life together. I didn't sleep around. I didn't do drugs. I attended all the church things. I read my Bible. I was well-behaved, I was good-mannered, I held all together, all together, all together, because I knew what God required of me, I wanted to do what was good. Unfortunately, at the same time, it does what is evil. And that evil is having its effect. You try and hold it, and hold it, and hold it, and it will break you, and it will break you in your weakest area. Mine was my body, and my body collapsed. I got very sick and I nearly died. Because they held it for so long. If my body was stronger, it would have been something else that collapsed. It got further and further and further and further and further. Then maybe it would be my morality that collapsed. We've all seen this. The visible realm works by hope. The invisible realm works by faith. And the glory realm works by love. When you accepted Christ, Jesus came down, stooped down, and made you great. It says in Ephesians, he is raised and seated in heavenly places, and now you are seated in him. So on this board, before you were saved, you were just Two-thirds, your spirit's dead, or 0.666, you are two-thirds of what you should be. When Jesus saved you, he came down and gave you his spirit and realigned your spirit. You're born again and raised you up with him. You are not there. You are not there because you are a spirit. So you are right now raised and seated in heavenly places. This is where you are. Adam had his own righteousness, made in the image of God, and he lost it. God said, that's not going to happen again. So he didn't give us righteousness back. He gave him himself. When you received Christ, you actually received the person of Jesus Christ. And he didn't give you righteousness. He gave you himself. And Christ is your righteousness. You don't have righteousness. You have Christ. And Christ is raised and seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers. And you are in him. And he is in you. In fact, 1 Corinthians 6 says, If any man be in Christ, he is one spirit with the Lord. That means you don't have your own spirit, separate from God. I don't have Christ's spirit and the Holy Spirit, and some days I listen to my spirit, which is dirty, and sometimes I listen to the Holy Spirit, I only have one spirit. 
that spirit is the spirit of God. It's still fully me, I'm still fully Chris. And Chris is still fully God in that it's the Holy Spirit living inside me. When the Holy Spirit lived inside me and became one with me, did he become any less Holy Spirit? Is he diluted? That he's still fully the Holy Spirit. He's still fully God. And my spirit is that spirit. The spirit that's fully God is now my spirit. I've been born again. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, new has come. What he was, what he is, never existed before. He has entered a whole new realm, a whole new world. Everything is fresh and new. You were human. You are no longer human. You are whatever Christ is. Because in the same way Christ was born from above, God sent his word, his seed, his permata. He sent it down into Mary and the word, the second part of the Trinity, entered Mary and took on flesh and the soul and so became fully human, yet still fully God. In the same way he was born from above, you were born again from above. When you accept Jesus, be that incorruptible seed, the seed, the word of God, comes and lives inside you by the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit, and your soul takes on God. In the same way God took on flesh, as in uh, the nature of man, sarks, he took on flesh, you take on God. And by the same process, you are one being. If any man be in Christ, he's one spirit with the Lord. Or another way to put it, as John says, as he is in 1 John 4, as he is now, so are you in this earth. And we get Christianity from the Bible. It doesn't matter what you think. I don't care. Well, I don't care what I think. It's what the Bible says Christianity is. So John says, as he is now, as he is, so are you now in this earth. And remember, John saw Jesus in Revelations. He saw him. Fire in his eyes, saw in the mouth. And he says, as he is, so are you now in this earth. Now. Not when you die, because then death is your salvation. The cross is your salvation. You receive the all, because you receive the person of Jesus Christ. And he's one spirit. Paul says, I don't longer only live, but it's Christ who lives in me. That's true. That's Christianity. <laughs> Amen. So now if you're up here, let's work out this whole authority chain and righteousness chain and everything that goes on here. If the devils, if angels and demons are in the invisible realm, I mean, angels can go up here because God allows them, but devils can't. So where is, say, the devil, top dog, the worst of the worst? Where can the devil go to? He can only go to here. But where are you? You are here. So where is the devil? He is literally under your feet. If you don't know this, if you're a first realm Christian, because many Christians don't believe in the Holy Spirit, His presence, or don't believe in miracles or angels, they don't believe in that, 
If you're a first-round Christian, you live down here, and if something manifests, like a demon manifests, what do you do? You freak out. <laughs> That's what you do. Because the higher courts come in, and it just, it's going to wipe the floor with you. You have no, you have authority, but you don't know it, so you're just going to get smashed. Like the seven sons of Sceva. Get out in the name of Jesus and whom Paul preaches. No relationship, not there. So they're there. They came across a high, something high, and it smashed all seven of them. Or you can live in this realm, and you can learn some things. You've gone from here. You know there's rules here. Okay? And so someone's manifesting in front of me, and I'm learning my rules. I go, okay, there's the demon. We can take this out. But I didn't read my Bible, and I haven't been in church for a while, and I watched Glee. And this demon, if I take out this demon from my pastor, he's going to go, you watch Glee. <laughs> and then everybody's going to know. And so when you leave it alone, because it's higher than you, in your, in your faith. But as your faith increases, you know, and you learn some more spiritual laws about the blood of Jesus, and then, you know, and you, learn, you learn, read some deliverance books and stuff like that, and you feel informed, so you can do this, okay? The demon manifests, right, I'm going to take this thing on. And, you know, get out in the name of Jesus. No, I won't get out. Get out in the name of Jesus. Make me. You will get out. Four hours. Blah, blah. Okay? It, it, it's a shootout. See who's the strongest, isn't it? Like, or you could be on top of your game. And you've learned all the spiritual laws. And you prayed your arm on every day. And you went through the 32 steps to get rid of the Freemasons. And you repented... <laughs> You repented of being under Vulcan and you closed all your doors and you found every African artifact in your house and you removed it and you apologized for how the forefathers treated the First Nations people and you rememorized scripture, then you are real. You are up here, man. And when the demon manifests, unless it's Satan himself, you're going to be above it and you can take that out if you've done all those things. If you've got the prayer of the armor, Ooh, look out. <laughs> or you can be here, which is Jesus, and you can cast out demons with a word. That's what Jesus did. If you don't know the millions of dollars from your great uncles in the bank, you won't access it. If you don't know what God's done for you, you won't access it. Every letter that Paul wrote says you're dead. It says the old man died. In Romans 6 it says, don't you know, and we don't, but it's there, don't you know that when you were baptized into Christ Jesus, you were baptized into his death? And the same spirit that rose him from the dead rose you? Okay? You went down, when you accepted Christ this year, the mystical mystery of Christianity, as you were with Jesus on the cross, it says you were co-buried with him. So you went down with him, and you were co-risen with him. You went down with him, and you rose as him. Because you're no longer human. You are the very thing Jesus is. Exactly him. It's the same incorruptible seed that makes him, that makes you. And you think, am I equal to him? And the Bible is saying, you are this, you are this, you are this. But he was first. It gives him dominion over everything. You are a king, but he's the king of kings. The king of kings, the king that he's king of is you. You are a king, and he's the king of kings. You are a priest, a royal priesthood. You are a priest, but he's the high priest. 
You're a brother, but he's the firstborn of many brothers. He still has preeminence in everything. Because Paul's saying, you are the same thing. But don't make a mistake here. He was first. And because he's first, and now he made you the same thing he is. 1 Corinthians 6 says, these aren't your hands. These are Jesus' hands. It goes as far as Paul says this, maybe purely for shock value, but it's true. He says, you're so much Christ, that if you sleep with a prostitute, Jesus Christ has just slept with a prostitute. That's going to get your attention. That's the, that's the negative side. <laughs> the good side is, you are Christ. And whatever applies to Christ, applies to you. Now, does Jesus Christ have generational curses? Did his father sin? Did his father go to the masonry thing and wear the apron? No. Then neither did you. Was his father obedient to all the laws? Because the laws are him. Yes. And so are you. You get all those blessings. Did Jesus Christ smoke some marijuana and sleep with a few girls and now has disqualified himself for a good marriage? No. Then neither have you. Because you are a spirit. You have a soul. You live in the body. But you are a spirit. And whatever the spirit is, you are. And your spirit is perfectly perfect, complete, complete, because it is the spirit of Christ who is a perfect son that only does what he sees the Father doing. Right now, your spirit's in heaven. It's, on, it's sitting on the throne. It can see the throne. It can see the lake of glass and see the full creatures. It can see the angels. And it's perfectly perfect, complete, complete. When you die, what happens to your spirit? Nothing. It's perfect. And your spirit is you because you are spirit. God does not look at you through the Jesus lens, the Jesus goggles. You're down here, dirty, naughty, and he's looking at you through the Christ lens, and you're next to him. You're raised and seated with him, in him, as him. Because as he is, so you now in this earth. Perfectly perfect, complete, complete. And it's the not knowing of this that damages us. And when you don't know this, that you're here with the tree of life, and you're completely loved and completely perfect, you think there's something inherently wrong with you, and that belief makes you what it is, because you can have whatever you believe. And then you try and work your way to God. By church attendance, by not doing wrong, by not doing this, by doing that. Either way, it's knowing what's right and wrong. It's knowing good and evil, which is the law. And here's the trouble with the law. The law stirs up sin. If you, you, every church has different things. This church says, unless you're dirt poor, you don't know Jesus. This church says, unless you're stinking rich, you don't know Jesus. So we've made up our own laws. And you go to a church, you comply to their laws. And if you get it and you nail it, you go into pride. And if you don't get it, you go into condemnation. Lose-lose. There's no good and evil. It's good and evil together. And good and evil is the law, and the law stirs up sin. The more you do everything you want to do, the sin desire is building and building and building and building and building. And sin is death. So for me, the death came out of my body. <laughs> now I went. But if I was strong with the body, I kept going and going and going. It'll come out somewhere. It'll come out in pornography or alcoholism or sleeping with a chick or something. Chick, yeah, sorry. So, 
I didn't say bitches, you know. I'm not, I'm not, I'm that, I'm that, not that, you know. It's going to come out somewhere. It just came out then. Look at it. I've been good for so long. I've been in America for 10 days. I haven't seen bitches. And now it came out. AZ. It's like, you know. It's going to come out somewhere. If you are being good for God, you're being evil because you're rejecting the cross. Because Christ, Paul says, if righteousness can be achieved by behavior, then Christ died for nothing. It's a gift or it's nothing. You're here, was the speaker there? You're, you're here as a wretch or you're in heaven in perfection. You know in between you've got to make a choice. To think that you can, by your actions, get to heaven when no other person in history has done it, but you might be first, it's just ridiculous. Yet we do it again and again and we fail. And here's what I did to people. I was particularly strong because I had good parents and I had a, a natural desire to comply and I had a, a man-pleasing spirit. And because I was a man-pleaser, because I didn't like myself, so I did whatever my pastor said, I looked awesome. I kept doing it and doing it and doing it. I lived with a guy, his name was Troy, and he had a shocking childhood. You don't want his childhood, okay? And he had damage in his soul. Um, I didn't have that damage. He kept mucking up. So they said, he can live with Chris. That will help him out. Okay, so he lives with me. And I can just keep going and going and going and going and I can keep going to church and I can meet people and I can greet people and they like me. He hates himself. I can keep my, my pants on, but he had had a childhood that really deeply affected him. And I keep going, I keep going, I keep going. And what I'm doing is presenting a standard that he can never, ever attain to. Because he doesn't have the same amount of strength I've got. So he got to here, kept going, going, and then he fell. I look awesome. He looks stupid. Rebellion and religion are the exact same thing. They're both knowing what's good and what's evil and making a choice. If I know what's good and I try and do it, I'm doing it, I'm doing it, I'm still eating from the good and evil tree. I know what's good and evil and I do think I can't do it, I'm going to do the evil thing because I just can't make it. I'm still eating the same fruit. We're both eating the same fruit. Is God pleased with the guy that says, forget church and I'm going to shack up my chick and sell drugs and get some money? Doesn't impress him. Is God impressed with the guy with church attendance and keeps good records and his good behavior and he reads his Bible? God's not impressed with that either. They're both fig leaves. The whole system is illegal. You need to be saved. And when you get saved, you don't receive Christianity. You don't now receive the ability to do this. That's what we think. When you get saved, now you've got the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit's going to give me the ability to do this. He never promised that. Jesus did not come to improve you. He came to replace you. You went down with him. You came up as him. As he is. Raised and seated in heavy places. This is where you are. This is where you are forever. Paul says, 
You know, the fivefold ministry is there to make you reach the fullness of the stature of Christ. How many more times are you going to read the Bible for that to happen? The scripture you're going to memorize. How good are you going to have to be? What were, you, what were we thinking we we're going to do to walk in the fullness of the stature of Christ? John says, you claim to know Christ, you must walk as he did. We've obviously got something, a completely different gospel than they have. Here's the most stark way I can put it. The very people that flock to Jesus run from the church. That is a fundamental, critical error. (laughs) The very people that ran to Jesus are rejected by the church. Not just rejected, placarded. Could there be a more damning statement than that? We are his representation on earth. And he came not to condemn the world, but to save it. Or as it says elsewhere, not counting men's sins against them. The church is doing the very opposite job that Jesus did. Jesus said to the Pharisees, you'll walk you know, 10 miles to get a, uh, a convert and then make him twice the sons of hell you are. Okay? He was saying that because they were doing do good, get good, do bad, get bad. Not a, good, not a good thing to think about, is it? So, let's just forget the whole system and see what the gospel says. The gospel is a power to salvation. Sozo. Saved, healed, delivered. Body is healed, souls delivered, spirit saved. Saved, healed, delivered. Completely complete. Now, when there's something wrong in my life and there's Things wrong in my life. God's not disappointed with me, but sort of will talk to me because of Jesus, and I'm trying to get rid of that to get up, 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 up. I'm in heaven, perfect with Him. And the only reason I'm doing something wrong is because I believe wrong. If I'm depressed, it's because I believe in the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and I'm not achieving something I think I should be achieving. The younger son and the older brother. Younger son knows what's good and evil and does evil. The older son knows what's good and evil and does what's good. Both are out the house. Both are out the house. I was the older brother. Troy was the younger brother. Troy went into hard drugs and everything like that. And then he came back and God paid for a trip to South Africa and he had the greatest time. I was doing everything for God, running youth groups, running home groups, working really hard. And God did not give me any money to go to South Africa. I was angry. That's not right. And you know what I said to God? I've been working and slaving for you, and you have not given me so much as a plane ticket to South Africa. And the Father comes out and pleads with you, everything I have is yours. It's in the house. At rest. At rest. If you're a first-round Christian... You're right down here, and God's up there. We've got a few songs that say that. I won't go into that. But we're right down here, and you want something from God, you have to throw up a prayer. And it's a hope prayer, because this works by hope. And you go, I need, let's say I need cash. Okay? 
I need, I need if I get $3,000 in the next 10 days, there is a course I can get access to, and it's my dream course. That's what I want. I need 30 grand. First realm Christian, God's in heaven. Might as well throw up a prayer, hope prayer. Throw it up. Oh, God. And maybe this sovereign God will come down and rend the heavens and come down and give me something. Maybe it's just this once off. And if he does, I'll be good from now on. That's a hope prayer. Faith prayer is, I learned some spiritual principles. And I know I've learned about sowing and reaping. I'm not so sure about sowing and reaping, but I'm about here. You know, as I work my way up this invisible ladder, I'm here. And my hope will rise up to the as high as my faith is. Hmm, I'll try sowing and reaping. I need $30,000. Uh, one of the verses says 100 fold, so that's 30, 100, 30 bucks. I'm going to invest 30 bucks and see if it works. <laughs> but because it's the faith realm, it works on your soul, and you have to keep that confession. If you keep that confession, it will work. Because faith will always achieve its object if you stay in faith. Or if I get absolutely convinced of it and I listen to some Texans, I listen to Oral Roberts and I get really, really convinced of sowing and reaping, my hope will rise right up to that. Oral Roberts just knew it. He gave the money. It's coming back. He just, whoo, he just knew it. So, you know, the higher courts or the lower courts, my hope will rise up to there. He could do it. He had a revelation, and you know what he was a Western man. With a, Western men are pretty good at this. If you're a strong Western man with a strong rational head, you can learn spiritual laws and you can keep it. But if you're a single mother with three kids, are you going to keep you in, your, in sleep deprivation? Can you keep your confession through everything that happens and the challenges? Oh, the bill comes in. Mm-mm, everything you know. It's coming back, it's coming in, um, it's three days, it's two days to go, it's coming in. Can you keep your confession? If you have a bad childhood and a damaged soul and all these things, can you keep your confession? No, you can't. But the gospel's for every person, at every generation, at any time of their life, at any education level, at any time in history. So the Bushman the Kalahari can't access all this teaching. A single mother of three kids can't do this teaching. So it's good instruction, but it's not the good news. If you realise you're here, you didn't know like the thing, you don't, you don't access it, but you know you're here, everything in Christ is yes and amen. Where's Christ here? If you're in Christ, it's yes and amen. And then you've only got one question to answer. Why would God give me $30,000 to do this? Because of Jesus? That's it. Now, that's the easy test because if you need $30,000 and you did, what's the first thing you do? Self-audit. If you self-audit, that's knowing what's right and wrong, the truth knows good and evil. Well, God give me $30,000. Oh, I have been given a bit of money. Uh, I've been going to church regularly. Can I ask God? That's instantly what you do, isn't it? Well, I need to heal someone, pray for their healing. Why would God use me? Oh, gee, I haven't been, done the right thing recently. You instantly self-audit. Self-awareness. Now, you're dead. It's Christ who lives in you. Would God do this for Christ? Yes, he'll do it for me. Now, the only process I have is to be fathered. 
Will God give me $30,000? If he wants his son to do it, yes. If he doesn't want his son to do it, Chris, it's $30,000 for an acting course. If you go into acting, you will not get through. I know who you are. Okay? You will love the ladies. You know? Like, you, you will lose it. And this son can't. But this son or this daughter can. This person can't eat meat. That person can't eat meat. Paul says, if they do it unto Jesus, let them go. And I'm fathered. He will father me in the way this, this one should go. I can, by using the, the laws in here, I can, if I learn that healing, 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 and I change my mind and I, I renew my mind into healing and learn all the laws, I go out and I hold my confession, I, by spiritual laws, will get higher and higher and higher and higher, and I can knock out physical things that's below me, and the higher up here, my belief, I can knock out all the demons below me, and I can get a powerful healing ministry. The trouble is, my gifting will soon start to exceed my character. And what happens then? Like, have you ever seen a supernatural minister last longer than 10 years? But I can be up here in Christ, and I say, God, I want a massive healing ministry. I want it to heal the world. And he says, good. Because anything you want, anything you desire, you receive. But he's going to father me into it. Chris, I want that to happen to you. Uh, also, you happen to have an issue with um, needing men's approval. And that is going to bring you down in this ministry. So I'm going to deal with this first. And I'm going to father you into it. But it's already mine. It's yes and amen. It's mine. Why do you give it to me? Because of Jesus. Why will God give me a good marriage partner? Because of Jesus. Why is my business going to go well? Because of Jesus. It has nothing to do with your morality. A king is a king is a king. If I'm a king and I am an awesome king and everyone loves me and I govern well and I say, go to war, everyone goes to war. If I'm a terrible king and I gamble and I use money poorly and I've got lots of mistresses and I say, go to war, everybody goes to war. Because my authority has nothing to do with my morality. I can, as a king, get drunk, flew out of a brothel, throw up on my prostitutes, and then say, go to war, and go to go to war. Because my authority, it's my position, that's who I am, I'm the king. doesn't matter what I've done right or wrong, I'm the king. If I'm a Christian, and I flew out of the brothel, and I'm drunk, and I throw up, and I see someone, I can heal them. As long as I believe I'm here. Because, whether it's a demon that's affecting their heart, or a heart that's affecting their heart, I'm above it and I overrule it. When Jesus healed people, he didn't ask them about their morality, he didn't ask them what happened, he didn't say, ah, oh, is that a demon, is that a body? He just overruled it. Wasn't even interested. The federal government, they say, no, that's going to be a firing range. They didn't ask, well, did you do, what, what, was, what shops are you going to have? Are you going to have a, a P.F. Chang's? We love P.F. Chang's. They didn't ask anything like that. They just overruled it. It's a firing range. Don't care. Don't care about P.F. Chang's. Don't care about anything. Don't care about your trees. We just overruled. And that's the offences of the gospel. Because it's only in love, perfect love, that casts out all fear. Only love never fails. It's only in this freedom can you respond freely. Otherwise, if you're thinking, you don't have that, it's do good, get good, do bad, get bad, and there's a fear of punishment. But perfect love casts out all fear, because fear has to do with punishment, and only in perfect love, and it's all been done. That's the gospel God wants, to know you're completely loved, and your response is to that, because it's his kindness that leads you to repentance. 
You need to know that you're here, that you're here, that you're here, that you're here, and God loves you. And if you're here, you're no longer under the law. Because Christ completed the law. If you're here under the law, you live out these areas, and you appeal to that, you think, there's something wrong with me, then you're going to go appeal to the law to see what's right, so you can get to God. But Christ completed the law. And his righteousness is yours because he is your righteousness. And so does Jesus have to uh, rest on the Sabbath? Does Jesus have to um, do those things to be right with God? No, he's already done it. Then neither do you. But here's the amazing thing how it works. If you think you're down here somewhere, then you have to, you have to, go, by the, you have to go by the law, which will stir up sin, but you still have to do it. And you have to not covet to please God. Thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not covet, thou shalt not covet. Don't covet, don't covet, don't covet, don't covet. Okay? Two, keep God pleased with you so you can do good to get good, get something to come down from heaven. Rend the heavens and come down. Bad luck, the heavens are already rendered and he already came down. He's gone back up again. He took you with him. This is, do not, thou shalt not covet. Here, it's written in your heart because it's Christ. And thou shalt not covet. Because if you do what the Spirit does, you live according to the Spirit, they won't sin. That's what the Scriptures say. Because is the Spirit coveting? No. Is the Spirit jealous of things? No, he's not. Because here you know you're loved. If I covet, this is actually this is an accusation against God. I covet this piano. I'm saying that God is not good enough to give me a piano. Or he's not going to do that for me even though I like it. I'm actually accusing God of something. Here when I know I have all things in Christ, you have all things, and He have all spiritual blessings. You can partake in the divine nature as He is, so are you in this world. You have everything, and you're loved by our Father. And from that Spirit, are you going to have any God but these? Is Jesus having any other God? No. Is Jesus coveting? Is Jesus murdering? Is Jesus sparing false witness? He's not. Because that is who you are. You've died to sin. How can you live it any longer? He says, you're slave to righteousness. This is your character. This is your character. All the commands of the New Testament, we need the who before the do. It's who you are. So Ephesians says, Christ has raised us here in heavenly places and he's taken you and raised you in heavenly places far above everything and you're going to reach the fullness of the statue of Christ. Sing, this is what's happened. This is how you be husbands and wives. This is who you are. It's saying this is who you are. In the Old Testament, it's a command. In the New Testament, it's a promise that you've received. Be who you are. Be who you is because you ain't who you is. You is who you ain't. Be... Righteous as he is righteous. Because it is you. This is who you are. He's just framing it up. He says, this is what righteousness is. This is who you are. And same again in Colossians. Colossians, he was uh, above, way above all principalities and powers. All principalities and powers. He is seated right above all these things. Way, way above them. And you are in Christ. It says in Christ and of Christ more times in Colossians than anything else. It's seeing this. This is how you be sons and fathers and look after older men. He frames it up. He's saying, in light of this great gospel, therefore, having received this amazing thing, that Christ, you are now Christ, therefore, do this. We say, if you do this, you can be like Christ. Which is the exact opposite. That's why the church is having the exact opposite effect it should. You are Christ. There is nothing more to do because he who has received Christ's salvation, he who has entered Christ's rest has ceased from his works. 
You have ceased from your works. There is nothing more for you to do to be righteous. When you wake up in the morning, everything you need to do to please God has been done. Everything you need to do for your prayers to be answered has been done. Everything you need for the favor of God has been done. He says, for a little while I was angry with you, but now I've sworn never to be angry with you, never turn my face from you again. That's the New Testament. The New Testament, New Covenant is, I will count your, I will remember your sins no more. Romans 4 says, I will never, blessed is a man whose sins are never counted against you. Your sins will never be counted against you. They're in the ground. In the same way, time doesn't matter. I get saved now, but I was saved 2,000 years ago, and all my sins were all future, and they all got wiped out. My sins are never counted against me. Because God doesn't look at me down here. He looks at me like this. He sees Christ. Because I am Christ. Not through the Christ goggles. I am Christ. As he is, one spirit with the Lord. The, it says, the, this is the, the amazing mystery kept secret for ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you. When God made Adam, he made it able to contain God. Not for that moment there where he breathed his breath into him, but for this moment now that we can contain Christ himself. Not here, have some spirit in my image, in the image, but me. When God made Adam, he made him compatible to hold the Spirit of God. Not for then, but for now. You and Christ are one. You and Christ are one. You're up here and you pray down on everything. You never pray up to get through the brass heavens. What's that about? That means you're trying to get through here. But you're here, raised and seated in heavy places. It is finished. It is finished. And that's the new creation. Paul says it doesn't matter. Circumcision, uncircumcision, the only thing that counts is the new, new creation. It's the only thing that counts. It's the only thing that counts. It's the only thing that counts. Well, in other ways, it says the only, only thing that works now is faith working itself through love. It has to come from love. If it says, I have faith to move mountains, it counts for nothing. You can use this stuff all you want. You can build churches, you can build ministries, you can do what you want. And it's all in faith, and you use faith, but by itself with the tree of knowledge of good and evil. It says it counts for nothing. It's a clanging gong. When Abraham, God says to Abraham, bring your son, your only son, the son you love and kill him. He says, your only son. What do you mean your only son? He had Ishmael. Ishmael would probably have been about 30 years old. He's grown up with him. He, uh, that was his son. That was literally his son. That was his dear. That, that was a son that exists. And God says, don't say forget about him or ignore him. He says, bring your son, your only son. God does not see anything of the flesh. It just doesn't exist. Anything you've done to please God doesn't exist. Only the promise. Only receive as a gift. You can only give back to God what He gives to you. The only time in the New Testament it says to, to strive, it says strive to enter the rest. In Hebrews 4, strive to enter his rest. In fact, it says strive to enter his rest or you will end up in disobedience. You're not in rest, you're the tree of knowledge of good and evil and you can't maintain it, no one has, you'll end up in disobedience. Strive to enter his rest or you'll end up in disobedience. If any man has entered Christ's rest, he has ceased from his own works. You're here, you're at rest there's nothing left to do. The disciples asked Jesus in John 6, they said, Jesus, what do we have to do to do the works that God requires? And that is the perfect question. Many people times you ask questions and 
Jesus didn't answer it directly. They answered, he answered a different question or twisted it or said something, you know. But this time, he answered the question directly. They said, what do we have to do to do the work God requires? And isn't that what happens every time you go to church? You're asking the preacher, what do we have to do to do the work God requires? And Jesus answers the question directly. He answers directly. He says, the work that God requires of you is this, to believe in the one whom he sent. Do you believe in the one whom he sent? Do you believe in the one whom he sent? Then your work is done and you've entered the rest. <laughs> if you believe in the one whom he sent once, at one stage in your life, Every day before your feet hit the floor, you are completely pleasing to God. You've done all the work he requires. It's a gift, and not just a gift of the ability to be like the Holy Spirit's going to help you. No, it's a gift of the finished work. It is finished. You receive Christ. You receive the man himself. You and him are one. There's no difference between you. You are now in the Trinity as part of the Trinity because you're in Christ. And the fullness of God lives inside you. Because he says, if anyone loves me, my Father and I will go live with them. And he sent his Spirit. All of Christ is in you. All of the Father's in you. All of the Holy Spirit's in you. you. The fullness of God dwells in your body in the same way it did in Jesus. Because you're the same thing. So God has made you his home. Not his house. His home. Not his temporary rent. His home. He lives in you. You're his home. That's where he wants to be. You're his home. But heaven is his home. Correct. You are heaven on earth. You are the open portal. You are the, you are the, you are the open heavens. You are the breakthrough. You are the kingdom. Because you are Christ. And Christ is all these things. And he gives it to you freely. So you can, as the Bible says, walk as he did. Or do those things in greater. Now, as a gift. In your lifetime. As a free gift. You can only surrender and accept it like a child. But this is it. And now, if you're in Christ, any of those in Christ, there's no condemnation. But if you don't believe you're in Christ, you believe down here, then you will be condemned. <laughs> you will condemn yourself. Give yourself the gift you don't deserve. Forgiveness. God forgives me. I'm going to agree with God. Humility is agreeing with God. If God says I'm awesome, then I'm awesome. If God says I'm, I'm righteous, Christ has become my righteousness how about this one? He said, here's come your righteousness and your sanctification. Sanctification isn't a process. It's a person. You received him. You have been sanctified. Because you are spirit. Your spirit's perfect. And that's what you are. You have been sanctified. You are completely qualified to be with God all the time because you are one with him. And all these Old Testament things we try and bring into the New Testament because feel so good to our soul. Holy... Lord, do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Impossible. <laughs> now, if you're an Old Testament king, because in the Old Testament, they live down here, right? So the Holy Spirit had to come upon them and leave. Come upon them with an anointing and leave. Come upon them and give them strength to smash people and leave. But now you live here. He's in you, dwells in you as you, one with you, one, one with him. You and him are one. We all be one. We are one. We're all one. If you want the Holy Spirit to come down upon you, you know, I don't want to get into music and people's songs and their experiences and stuff like that, but asking to render heavens and come down is an Old Testament prayer, which is a great one. Then they, again, God did. He render heavens and come down. Rise and shine for your light has come. What more do you want? 
If you think there's anything you have to do or stop doing to please God, you're saying it's the cross plus my Bible study, plus 10% of the gross of my income. You're saying this is perfection here. The cross got me to here, and this last step I have to make myself. If righteousness can be achieved by behavior, by the law, then Christ died for nothing. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Why are you thinking like Satan? How did you first receive the gospel? How did the Holy Spirit come upon you? And why could you perform miracles? Because you believed or because you behaved? Because you believed. So why have you now gone back to behavior? How did you receive Jesus? Like this. Oh, come on, Jesus, please come on. I want you to save me. God, save me. Come on. Oh, if only I could under, if I could give me good enough. No, you just received it. You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. That's how you receive anything with that amount of effort. Otherwise, if I'm a parent, my child's sick and I can't heal them, there's something inherently faulty with me, I come under condemnation. If I was a better person, I could have the power to heal them. That's a terrible place of torment to be with a sick child. The most productive thing you could do is know that I'm raised to see the heavy places. I'm completely Christ. I lay my hands on the sick, they shall recover. I put my hand, I can just, I'm going to rest my hands on my child. Because faith is a rest. Here, faith is a work. But love is a rest. Grace is a rest. If you're in grace, then faith, because everything raises up to where you are, then faith is a rest too. Because when, when it's not only you that... Paul says, no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I live, I live by the faith of God. So it's his faith. Well. (laughs) (laughs) Signs and wonders. (laughs) The life I live, I live by the faith of God. So even the, the faith you have is a gift. The mind of Christ, the joy of the Lord. What can I do for God? How about, oh no, I can offer a sacrifice of praise. No, no, no. Through Him, offer a sacrifice of praise. You can't even offer a sacrifice. He, no one came to the Son unless the Father draws Him, so He drew you. He caused you to will and act according to His good purpose. The very fact you want to learn about God or be with like Him is because He caused it. And He's the author of finishing your faith, and He is faithful to get you to the end. It's all Him. He stooped down and has made you great. Not making you great, has made you great. All you're doing is being transformed in your mind to agree with this. I agree. Okay. And how do you know you agree? Because you're at rest. When you're not at rest, you're in fear. Because this will always produce fear. And fear leads to evil. Do not forget it always leads to evil. The peace. The peace of rest. When the priest, no priest could sit. But Jesus was raised and seated because the work was done. It is finished. There's nothing more for you to do to receive anything from God because there's nothing more Christ has to do. And the Christ is the plumb line. And you can test all theology like this. Does this apply to Christ? Then it doesn't apply to me. He's everything you, you are everything he is. You are nothing that he's not. <laughs> That's the great mystery. Hidden, Christ in the hope of glory. It says, if the powers of the air knew this would not have crucified the Lord of glory. What, that you'd be sinless? No, that devil was not scared of sinless. He's seen sinless before. Sinless is a walk in the park. He did not know that you'd become Christ. If he knew that, he would never crucify Jesus. 
the one seed went to the ground and produced a crop. The first of many brethren. And this is the freedom you have. How are we feeling? It's a lot, isn't it? There's a lot of new people here that I've just really just and put it down again. <laughs> but now, that's why the gospel ruins everything because the gospel, the foolish preaching the gospel. Okay, how about my mate? He's, he's an alcoholic and he's crashed his car. He's a Christian. What, 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 about, what about him? Okay? Well, you know, he, he broke some state laws and they'll come to play and he broke some physical laws because he crashed the car and probably hit his head. Okay? And that, that's all going to happen there. But how do I get him out of alcoholism? We've got this 12-step program, okay? Hi, my name's Chris. I'm an alcoholic. You've just judged yourself by the knowledge of good and evil. Does God say you're an alcoholic? No. Does Christ say alcoholic? No. So you can't even say that. Even that is an offense because I'm Christ. I can't be anything that he's not. I don't go through my 12-step programs. I go into a dry house. Okay, you're doing? You're muzzling the dog. And the, I'm a dry house, I can't bite anything. Once the muzzle comes off, what's going to happen? Yep. If I'm an angry dog or a rebellious dog, I've got a muzzle on, it's going to come out somewhere else. I'm going to scratch something, dig something up. It's going to come out somewhere. You've got to change the heart. Good for us. It's not a process. Didn't come to improve you, came to replace you. The heart's been flesh out, stone out. Flesh will, you know, probably a bad term in this context, but God in. It's done. Paul says you're righteous. You're a slave to righteousness now. That's who you are. In knowing that, you'll become it. So this guy, we can put him through the dry house and all these things like that, but it's not going to change him. It's going to take years. It takes lots of energy. and It's going to take lots of observation and accountability partners. Or we teach him the foolishness of preaching the cross, the power of salvation. Only the gospel is the power of salvation. He needs to be saved. Is it a genetic issue? Is it in his DNA to love alcohol? Is it a demon? Doesn't matter. Does it worry Jesus? He said, it's out. It's over. When the demoniac you know, came to Jesus, Jesus and go, oh, what happened here? <laughs> Do you play Pokemon? You've been playing Pokemon, haven't you? <laughs> and the Smurfs. Spirit of Gargamel, I can see. He didn't, he didn't say, oh, we're using Ouija boards. Um, did you use tarot cards? You know, he didn't, just out. Didn't care, doesn't care if this or this. This guy, alcoholic, we don't care. Like that. The gospel, the fact he's here. Can the Christian have a demon? The Christian can have whatever they want. They're not supposed to. If I'm working in, in this area here, okay, I wrap my life on knowledge of good and evil, and my life is not good, and it's getting worse. I can't still get any better. I'm getting down, I'm getting depressed, and the devil comes along to me and goes, probably better to be dead. I think, by the knowledge of good and evil, I think, yeah, it would better be dead. I've come into agreement, and there's power and agreement, and now I've come to agreement with death. Yeah? Or, it'd be, kill yourself with alcohol. Alcohol feels good. It does feel good. Then kill myself with alcohol. Come to agreement with a demon. And now, I have decided to appeal to this court. Whatever court you appeal to, will rule over you. If you're American and you chuck out all this stuff and you burn it, you take this crate and all this and you burn it and then you find out it was, it was 10,000 Korans. And 
An Islamic group says, I'm going to take you to court for desecration. They're taking you to the local court, the American court. You go, no, no, no. Let's not go to American court. I know better. There's a court that knows more about Qurans than anyone else. It's the Iranian court. Let's take this to Iran. You decide that as an American citizen. You go all the way over to Iran and go, hi, Iran, I have decided to be in your court for this ruling. That court will rule over you. And you'll get its decision, and by its laws, it'll be the correct decision. And you'll go to jail for life, or maybe death. Or you go to the American court, the American court goes, it was an accident, roll on. <laughs> by its laws. If I appeal to this court, the devil says, I can be here, you're right, you can be here. And it's right, it's absolutely correct. Because you've broken the law, and when you break the law, there's a curse. Because anyone that doesn't keep the whole law is under a curse. If you appeal to this court, if you believe you're in that court, and you appeal to that court, it will rule over you, and you have no authority to do anything different. And then you've got to learn all these spiritual laws to get your way out of it. And you have to go through everything your parents did and your grandparents did to repent and break it and da 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 da. Can that work in India? How long would it take to do generational curses in India? Does it work? Yes, it does work. But there's a better way. It takes a lot of knowledge, a lot of time, which is effort. And if you get it, you go into pride. If you don't get it, you go into condemnation. It's lose, lose. That person, all these generations are dead. I'm not a human anymore, I'm whatever Christ is. My father's not my father anymore. This is how the tree of knowledge good and evil works. 300 years ago, my dad was just my dad. Whatever he did, he did, and I respected my dad, whatever. But now, I've learned about Freudian stuff, I've learned about psychology, I've learned about developmental things, and my dad was absent from the ages of uh, three to seven, and in that time he did not give me the, the, the uh, ability to make independent decisions that I need, and now I spend all day on Facebook and can't make friends because of what my dad did. <laughs> and I learned that, and it's true. My dad didn't give me what I needed, and it's true. So now every time I see my dad, this is my dad, every time I see my father, I, he hasn't given me what I need. You know, he probably doesn't have it. He owes me an apology, but he may never, ever happen. And so every time it happens, there's a deficit of me and my dad, and there's always a resistance between us. But if I die to being human, raise up as Christ, and I'm in heaven with a perfect father, and now God is actually my father. And the same God is actually Jesus' father. God actually sent his word, his seed, into Mary and created Jesus. That he was, when God, Jesus said, Father, that, was, that is actually his father. Not the metaphor, that is his father. Same thing happened to you. He is actually your father. Because you are a new thing. This thing you are, God fathered it. And now I've, I get everything from him. I need nothing from anyone else. So there's no control, nothing. And now I can see my dad. I am full and I can meet the man for who he is for the first time. And the first time in my life, I can love him unconditionally. Because I died and rose again as Christ with everything. And now I can partake in the divine nature. You know what God does? He says, reign on the good and the evil. He wishes all men were saved. And I can wish that for my dad rather than seeing my dad in the deficit. If I'm here, I see him in the deficit, and that's correct, and he owes me, and that's correct. Or I just pull to a different court, and that's irrelevant. Doesn't, doesn't even come into play. And my alcoholic friend, I've got to get him up here. And it will work, because the gospel is the power of salvation. And whatever is making him alcoholic, whether it's DNA, or it's a demon, or it's a mixture, it's going to be overruled by the Spirit. I've got to teach him that's not what he is. And from there, look, maybe like, come live with me for a little while, that's going to help. But only because he's on his way out. But my friend Troy, we're both in here. And I crushed him. 
Desire to him presented good and evil, and he couldn't live up to it. And he went away. We're friends again now, Troy and I. But uh, I went away. He went away. If you are an awesome man with a strong ability and a good parent and a really disciplined, you can live a church-approved lifestyle according to its rules and you can keep going and going and going. But it's going to come out somewhere because you're obeying the law and the law stirs up sin. And wherever the weakest point is going to go, either you will go, and if you don't go, maybe because of fear of what would happen if you go, so fears that you're controlling, then it's going to be your wife. Because your wife may not have had the upbringing you have, and she has some damage, and she's living out of soul, not here, but she's living out of soul too, because she's under you, living out of soul, and she's damaged, and you can keep going and going and going, because that's your position, you get a throne, you give a reward for it, and she's like the minister's wife, and she can't go, go, and finally she snaps and goes, because religion rebellions the same thing, and off she goes. And everyone looks at you and says, You're awesome, and look what your wife did to you. You did that to your wife. You're supposed to love us like Christ loved the church. And Christ just loved. You're killing me. I love you. You're disobeying me. You're deserting me. I love you. You could have wiped them out. You just loved. You're going to do that from here. You're going to give love that you received. We love because you first loved. So if I'm that husband and my wife goes, everyone says, look what your awful wife did. You're awesome. She's bad. Older brother, good work, well done. Younger son, terrible. And it's not you or your wife, it's going to be your kids. It's going to be, it has to come out somewhere because the law stirs up sin. It's a law and the law always works. Same as here. The gravity always works. The law stirs up sin, always works. Always works. It's a law. If you appeal to that court, you're going to get it. If you appeal to this court, you're free from the law. If you live by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law, says Romans. If you live by the Spirit, you're no longer under the law. That's awesome, isn't it? You live by the Spirit, this has no rule of you. So no curses have any rule of you. Nothing. In here, you're in Christ, and there's no condemnation for those in Christ. If you're here, there's condemnation. If you're here, there's no condemnation for those in Christ. Everything's yes and amen for those in Christ. You're raised and seated in Christ. And how do you appeal to this court? By believing. My alcoholic friend, my only job is to get him to believe. Just by telling him the gospel. You receive it by faith, and how does faith come by hearing? So I tell him the gospel. How's faith come by hearing? So I'll tell them the gospel. This. I'll tell them the gospel by, you know, my actions, my life, my words. And he will be free because perfect love never fails. Love never fails. Love keeps no record of wrong and love never fails. This will work because the gospel is a power to salvation. You think with our 12-stop programs and all the spiritual laws we use to work each other out and do this stuff and go through... Paul could have done them. He knew more than we did. He could have written reams of information on that. But he says the foolishness of preaching the cross is stuck to one thing because it works and that's what God told him to do. It's a gift. It's complete. It is finished. There's nothing more to you do. You are loved. You are one with love. I am one with love. How do I see that? I believe it. How? In the same way through my salvation. Okay, I believe that. Okay. I just believe that. And it manifests. Because the higher court will rule over these things. Whatever's going wrong here, it will rule over and rule over and rule over. And then you can walk in that authority. You want to do things quicker. You can, you can do lots of things. You can speak down on it. You can frame things up by your words. You can do lots of things. But you're doing it from here at rest, down. You're praying down, raised and seated. You've listened really well.
that's a lot of stuff that's just just, just gone through there because we've been schooled in probably a different way, and it's a it, it's it's a complete flip over, yeah. But that's what the gospel is, and it's nothing else. Paul says, anyone preaches any other message, may they be eternally condemned. He's really strict on this. And he says, can you receive everything by believing? How do you first get saved? Four miracles by believing. How do you continue that? By believing. That's it. It's by faith from first to last, by believing. Here, faith achieves, love receives. If you achieve, you're a legend. If you fall down, you don't make it, you're condemnation. Here, it just receives so that no man can boast. And it just humbles you. And knows how much you love. And it just increases and increases and increases. How do we reign in life? By getting our act together. And we reign in life by the gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace. Abundance of grace. You're here. It's been done. Your sins are forgiven. Do you confess? There's something on your conscience. Tell God about it. Confesses to agree. Yep, I did that. But it doesn't change who you are. Did it change who Jesus was? No. Jesus can't. In fact, he's done it. He came here, lived the life, gone. You can't change it. Your actions didn't qualify you. Your actions can't disqualify you. Your attitude didn't qualify you. Your attitude can't disqualify you. Believing qualified you. And you're there. But your believing can disqualify you in that you appeal to a different court. You don't belong to that court. You're American. What are you going to Iran for? Just keep appealing to the right court. Court of mercy. And you have that mercy on other people. Yeah? So we'll finish. That's all good. You can just tiptoe away. Some lady's leaving. She's offended. Can everyone see her? <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Some first realm realities there. Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm going to pray. And I'll just hang around afterwards. And you, I'd love to talk. So we, we can just all talk. <laughs> Someone's coming to the front. Um, I don't know what's going on, but I just want, I want to pray. Just... Well, you're going to pray. Yeah, I'm going to pray. Yeah. I just want to remind anybody who really, you know, this is Chris Blackaby, obviously from Australia, and we know people want to give, and we just want to remind people that there's an opportunity to give up here. There's a magic red box. His ministry is called As He Is Ministries. He's in the process of getting the 5013. So we ask people who would want to write a check to write it to As He Is Ministries and not date that because that legal stuff is coming down the line real mm. soon. Now, if you don't care about taxes and deductions and all that kind of stuff, you can just give cash or write Chris a check. That works just as good. Yeah. But uh, we just want to make that available to you. There's no pressure. Yeah, but, definitely. Uh, yeah. And Chris will like you either way. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I don't even know. I don't look at the checks. I don't look at anything. I don't even know who you are anyway. So the gospel is free. And it says like... A, a, like the gospel the Father says up for the children, so you know it, it, it's free, and you've got everything in Christ all at rest. From having everything, if you want to sow and reap, then do. But you don't have to. You get it by faith. But because you're only here, if you're up here, God owns earth and everything in it. So as a Christian, am I allowed to use electricity? Yes, I am. Am I allowed to use the air conditioner or gravity? I am. Am I allowed to use sowing and reaping? I am. Because I'm up here, I don't have to. Well, I can see how that works. And I'm going to, from here, send some money down, get those things going, because it's the law. It's going to work. But I'm free from the law. But if I don't know that, I'm sowing and reaping. To, and, you don't, and if it doesn't come back, you think God doesn't like you, or there's something inherently faulty with you. So it's best, if you, don't, if you get this sword at your house, then just, just don't worry about it. Like, just like, don't. It's best to sit and do nothing. I um, got sick, got really angry with God, 
and didn't give God a dime for t- five years after being a pastor. And more money came into my life in those five years than the previous five years. And I stopped working. Worked that one out. It's miraculous. Because I stopped doing the good and evil, when I was doing good and evil, trying to do the right thing, God couldn't reward that. Oh, my money went up because I was using these spiritual laws, but my body went down. Something's got to go. But when I stopped, but God provided me from his riches and glory, as, as the Bible says. The thing I was always wanting. I stopped. I will never do anything for God again in my life. I will do something with God. Mm-hmm. Doing something for God's working in the field and you don't get any goats. There's no goats in the field. And you get angrier and angrier and angry with God. And I think that's the state of most of the Western church. Go into the house, sit down. His burden is light. In the house is his fridge. You can go to the fridge anytime you want because it's your dad and you get stuff out of your dad's fridge because you just can. And you sit there and you only do what God asks you to do. And you find out, when you only do what God asks you to do, you find that his burdens are really, really light. In fact, when you first start this process, he won't get you to do anything, and it will drive you nuts, and you, you, don't, you don't know, you've got nothing to measure God's happiness with you with. Like, what, you've got to realise that God's just happy with you, and just loves you. When you stop doing everything for him, the blessings start to flow. And it works like this. We're saying grace. Let's ever say grace. We are in the Bible Belt. We've all learned to say grace. Everyone says grace for meal. And you know, one time you go somewhere, you don't say grace, and oh, like a little fear goes off inside you. Something is wrong. We haven't done good to get good. Maybe something. You know, we've done something bad. You, you know, and then you find out you don't have to say grace. It's something we invented. And uh, thinking if you do grace and something bad's going to happen is like superstition at best, a protection racket at worst. Protection racket. You know, like the gangsters? Yeah? You know, I think I did this last time. It's new people, so I can use the same joke again. It's okay. <laughs> Tithing or, or anything is a protection racket if you're doing it to stop being hurt. It's like this. God sends the angels. The angels like, so it's a dangerous world out there. You know, it's like, wouldn't want anything bad to happen to you. You know, highways. How's the kids, hey? Kids all right? The kids all right? Where's little Johnny today? You know what? For 10% of the gross, we can organize some angels to make sure nothing happens, the blessing comes to you. Don't have 10%? Okay, not this week? That's okay. We'll see you next week, but drive home safe. Know what I mean? It's a protection racket. If you don't give 10% of your money, the devourer will come and get you. That is crazy. Is the devourer going to come and get Jesus? No. If God wanted 10% of your money, it'd be all through the New Testament because he wants to bless you. But Paul doesn't mention it. And Paul is uh, the apostle to the Gentiles. The Gentiles didn't know what tithing was, so he would lay it out for them like anything. Because otherwise, if the devourer could really get you, he would say, do this, do this, so the devourer doesn't get you. He loves them, but he doesn't. He says, those who seek generously reap generously. Those who seek us so sparingly reap sparingly. But don't give under compulsion. And thinking you're going to get smashed, that's compulsion. Thinking doing good or something bad is going to happen, which is fear, is compulsion. It's best to stop it all. So, like, I'll use grace as an example. And you, say, you stop saying your grace, and you realize you don't have to say grace. And you just stop saying grace because it was such a burden before. And so, you realize when grace comes, you realize when the, the grace gospel, the love, the new covenant, whatever comes, you don't think it counts as the new creation. When the new creation comes, you realize, I have to do this. You know, my spirit prays without ceasing. And, and 
I, God, Jesus always intercedes, interceding for me before the throne because a man is on the throne. A man, like me, a man, exactly like me, is on the throne. That's good news for me. I am in the good books. There's nothing more that happens. I'm not saying grace. Hey, look at me. We're not saying grace. Visitors come. Hey, we don't say grace at their house. We're not religious. Woo! And it becomes a principle. I don't say grace anymore. And after this, in God's pleasure, you see that God blesses you anyway, you begin to, begin to become thankful for your, for your food. And it comes out. Since I didn't tithe or give anything for five years, except you know when I was at something, you know. But I've, there's no regular giving at all. I didn't really go to church and do anything. I just bailed. I was so angry with God to do all the right things, and He let me down. But I was using this. And then, since then, I still don't tithe, but I have given God more gross money in that time than ten percent would have been over the whole time. Because he can have it all, but only because I know he loves me. But it took me ages, took me ages and ages and ages, but finally I got it, and he loves me. Now he can have it, he can have it all. If you don't know God loves you like that, then only what's faith is, anything that's faith is sin. So only go to where your faith is. Don't give all your money away if you don't know God loves you, because it will lead to fear and you'll freak out and fear leads to evil. And God doesn't want that of you. He wants his kindness to lead you to change your mind. Kindness is repentance. Okay, I'm doing nothing that God be kind to me. And that is the quickest way to hear. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line. The shortest distance between me and being this is just accepting it. Not going to hear, to hear to work this out and follow this principle and get this prayer and whatever. I'm trying not to insult anyone's ministries. Yeah? Anyway, so as I said, I'm praying. (laughs) Not because I I choose to, because I'm free to pray. Because my Father in Heaven is praying now. My Father in Heaven is saying, it's time, dude. So I'm doing what I see my Father doing. Jesus, thank you for your glorious gospel. Good news, not good instructions. We honour you, Lord. We want this by revelation. and You want to give it to us. So we say, Father, where we don't believe, we want to believe. Help us to believe. Let's just get it by revelation as a free gift. May the freedom come from that. And from that, all those spontaneous healings, deliverances, and, and breakthroughs, and release from debts, and all these things we don't deserve, just become ours because we believe in the cross. Lord, may we not be taken captive by deceptive and hollow thinkings of men that appeal to the flesh but have no ability to, to make us righteous. Instead, we just believe the fullness of the cross that you have raised us in high places, stooped down and have made us great. You have rent the heavens and come down. You are at rest. We're going to be at rest. We're ceased from our works. Holy Spirit, you give the world of sin but the believer of righteousness. You are righteous, you are righteous, you are righteous, you are righteous, because Christ is righteous. Praise be the Lord Jesus Christ. And Lord, may you now confirm your words with signs and wonders following. And in heaven, raised as Christ at rest, I say, everybody under the sound of my voice, line up and just receive the healing. And every lying devil, you don't touch redeem anymore, I forbid it, and you go, and souls receive love. What I have, I give to you. Receive the kingdom. Your sins are forgiven. You are healed. Praise you, Lord Jesus.
praise you. Praise you, praise you, praise you. And now you servants that serve the redeemed, you angels, from heaven, we're all in heaven, we just release you into our lives. We say angels of breakthrough, angels of finance, angels of healing, angels of ministry, angels of inventions, angels of new songs. We assign you and release you into our lives and go ahead of us and work that out and do it for us. We're the redeemed and we're just going to walk into it in ease. The abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness which reign in life at rest. Thank you, Lord. May the tree of knowledge of good and evil be just distasteful and detestable to us. We receive your gift. Thank you, Jesus. We honour you. It is finished. Our rest is the evidence of our faith. Amen. 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 Thank you. You listened very well. That was awesome. Whoa.